Welcome to the Legal Moves Podcast. My name is Zachary Strebeck. I'm a California game lawyer and your host for the show. Today, I have three great guests from the board game industry who are here to discuss their latest project. First, we have Jamie Stegmeyer, the head of Stone Matter Games. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me today. Uh, it's very exciting to have you back. You were on my first episode, so you were yeah. my first <laughs> yeah. returning guest. That's great. All right. We also have game designer Matthew O'Malley. Hello there. Uh, it was good to meet you at Gen Con, and I'm uh, glad to be here. Thank you. I'm glad to meet you again on the internet. And uh, last, we have our third guest, uh, game designer Ben Rossett. Hey guys, I'm uh, Ben Rossett. I've been designing games uh, for a while, and um, also great to meet you at uh, Gen Con, Zach. Yep. Uh, and uh, really excited to be here. I had a great time at Gen Con. So welcome to all of you, but let's talk about Gen Con. Yeah, it was the, that was the first time I got to actually meet <laughs> a lot of people that I had talked to on the internet for, for a long time. So it was, <laughs> it was very cool. All right, today's show, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do kind of a post-mortem look at the latest release from Stonemeyer Games called Between Two Cities. So we're going to look at where the idea came from, how it became a Stonemeyer game, and we're going to trace the path through its design, the Kickstarter, and now the new expansion, well, apparently there's expansions that I got to play test at Gen Con. So first, I'd like to just quickly go through everyone's backgrounds and uh, understand how you got into the board game industry. Let's start with Matt, Matthew. Sure. Um, my background is um, that I started designing games about 15 years ago um, and uh, got really interested in trying to get one of them published um, when I went to an Unpub event, um, Unpub is a board game event for unpublished games. Um, it started out on the, on the East coast in Delaware. They have a big annual, uh, convention. Um, and I went to that first one a few years ago and it was fantastic. Um, I got really enthusiastic about it. And, um, soon after that, uh, started getting a couple of my game designs signed. Um, so the first one that I got signed was A Princess Bride, The Battle of Wits, which uh, just was released before Gen Con. Very cool. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, and then um, Diner, which is a um, fast-paced card game with Dice Hate Me Games. Uh, and Between Two Cities with Stonemeyer games. Oh, and then um, finally the, the first game that I had brought to that first unpub event is not dice. Uh, and I ran a Kickstarter for that not too long ago. And so that's going to be coming out sometime next year. Great. Uh, ben, let's talk about your background where you came from. So I grew up uh, playing games with my family, just kind of uh, basic games um, and, uh, and, and always really enjoyed it, uh, but never went uh, much further than that until about seven, eight, nine years ago now, when I first got into uh, Euro games, uh, Settlers of Catan was the game that kind of got me back into gaming and into more modern strategy gaming. And uh, after playing that uh, and meeting a bunch of other kind of gamer friends uh, here where I live in Washington, D.C., I was just having a casual conversation with one of them about games. And uh, he mentioned that he and I had an idea for designing a game. And I just thought that that was the best idea ever. And so I went home that night and started thinking of an idea for, uh, for a game that I wanted to design. And ever since then, it was about probably eight years ago, 
um, you know, I've, I've been a game designer uh, and slowly and slowly getting more and more into it. Um, went to my first convention a few years ago uh, and, uh, you know, a few years ago got got my first game published and uh, Between Two Cities is now my fourth, I think. Um, and uh, and just recently went full time in the gaming industry as well. So uh, starting in January, about eight months ago, um, I quit my job to start working for Panda Game Manufacturing. Uh, which is a game manufacturer, actually the one that is, is manufacturing between two cities. So I do project management for them full time as well as uh, game design uh, on the side. Uh, and I also just recently started a gaming convention in uh, Washington, D.C. I hope you don't mind me plugging. Which <laughs> no, no problem. Washington. It's called Washington. Our initial uh, inaugural uh, Washington is uh, completely sold out. We're going to have about 250 people there on September 12th. Uh, the website is washington.com. So, uh, yeah, so I am like immersed now in the uh, board game industry and I love it and it's uh, fantastic and I love uh, the fact that I can continue to design. Uh, and so that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, and congratulations on starting your own, I mean, your own everything, but your own uh, con. That's so cool. Thank ja you very much. No problem. Uh, Jamie, where did you come from? How did you get into the game business? Yeah, I've... Uh kind of like Ben and Matthew, but it's slightly different paths. I, I've been designing games my entire life uh, just for fun as a hobby. Um, and uh, similar to Ben, I was introduced to kind of more modern games through Settlers of Catan about maybe eight or nine years ago, followed by Agricola and a bunch of other Euro games. Um, and I was particularly enamored by the world of Kickstarter. And after Kickstarter launched in 2009, I love that idea of building a community around a product and kind of gauging demand for it and interacting directly with with backers and, and customers. So I launched a Kickstarter campaign for for a game that I designed called Viticulture, and that game successfully funded and kind of launched my company, Stonemaier Games. Um, so now we we published and I designed a couple different games. Uh, I've designed Viticulture, Euphoria, and Tuscany. And we published Between Two Cities, as designed by, as we're, we're talking about today, designed by Ben and Matthew. And I also write a lot about Kickstarter on uh, kickstarterlessons.com to help other creators uh, kind of learn from my mistakes and insights. Very awesome. Yeah, and I always recommend the site to anyone who is even thinking of doing a Kickstarter. So, yeah, feel free to plug that as much as you want because I always plug it. <laughs> also, I, I write on it sometimes too, so I guess you I, do? yeah. <laughs> There's a little self-interest there. So let's get into talking about Between Two Cities. So can you describe the game real quick first? Let's go with Ben. Okay. Uh, Between Two Cities is a, it's a well, one to seven player, uh, but the core of the game is a three to seven player uh, tile drafting and uh, tile placement game. Uh, it plays in about 20 to 25 minutes, all the way up to seven players. Uh, and it's got a, an interesting mechanic that we that we really like and are excited about, where uh, each player is partnering during the entire game with the player to their right to build one city together and with the player to their left to build another city together. So you're in these two kind of permanent partnerships throughout the entire game, yet it's a strictly competitive game. So there's only going to be one winner at the end. Uh, each player is going to receive two scores at the end of the game, one for each of the cities that they help design but they only get to keep the points. They only get to score the city of their lower scoring city of the two. So that's another interesting twist on the mechanic where it forces 
each player to really put equal amounts of effort into both of their partnerships because they're only going to score the points for the one that, that receives the lower value points. Um, so that's, uh, that's between two cities in a nutshell. Very cool. I, uh, I played it at Gen Con and I can attest that it is fun and easy to pick up and everyone at the table seemed to love it. So congratulations on coming up with a great game. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're definitely excited about it coming out here in a couple months and, um, and seeing how it does. Cool. Uh, Matt, uh, what made you decide to work or where did the idea come from? Where did, where did you guys uh, come up with, with the ideas for Between Two Cities? Uh, we have been working on a couple of different ideas for a um, sort of partnership mechanic. And, and we were actually working on a game um, based on Roman gardens um, and trying to find some ways to work partnerships into that game. Um, when Ben brought the idea of the two um, players sitting next to each other and working on one thing together, um, to that game, which eventually grew into Between Two Cities. Cool. So what made you, had you been, you've been working together on, uh, on ideas, what made you decide to get together to work on a game? As opposed to, I think you had designed solo games before, so why partner right. up now? Right, so this one, um, we, we just both uh, really enjoyed each other's games, um, and we're both members of a board game designer and playtester group called Table Treasure Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been playing each other's games relatively often, and we knew each other. We're both around the D.C. area. I'm in Tacoma Park. Uh, and uh, we wanted to try and do something together because we hadn't, we hadn't done that before. We'd just been designing solo games. Um, and I really like the way that um, we can sort of both push each other forward and, and try to make the games even better. Um, so it's been a great experience so far. Very good. Ben, do you have any uh, in, insight into why you got together or is it basically the same? Yeah, I, I think uh, if if I remember it correctly, it was because I actually had this idea of this Roman Gardens game. I was walking through uh, Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas <laughs> <laughs> or, or walking through the outside of the gardens. And I had this idea about a game about building Roman Gardens. And how the how the tiles would kind of fit together to make this really like uh, you know beautiful design when the tiles all kind of fit together and place together to make these gardens. And I had recently played Not Dice by Matthew, uh, and Matthew's got these dice that are just incredible. The the, the kind of the, the lines and faces on the dice go around the entire dice, and when you put them together, they make this this big beautiful Celtic knot design. Um, and I was really intrigued with how he accomplished that. And so I had this, well, how can I kind of take that um, and kind of apply it to tiles? And so um, I think that I contacted him and said, hey, I've got a, I want to kind of play not dice with you and kind of, you know, knock around with that for a while and, and kind of brainstorm. Um, and I think that that was the beginning of us working together and just said, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's try some, let's try some things and, and see what comes out. And so. Um, between two cities, uh, is our first game. Cause uh, honestly, it's the first good idea that we had together. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So Jamie, how did between two cities come to the attention of Stonemaier games? Well, yeah, so it was actually, I kind of had a deja vu experience a couple weeks ago because it happened at Gen Con in 2014. 
Um, we just were filming this or recording this a few weeks after Gen Con in 2015. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the, the things I focused on last year at Gen Con was uh, hearing pitches from different designers. And Ben and Matthew weren't actually among the people to sign up for pitches at Gen Con last year. But I hung out with Ben at uh, Geekway to the West in St. Louis a few months before that. And so he dropped by the room to say hi. And I asked him what he was doing. And he said that one of the things he was doing at the convention was playtesting and, and showing this between two. Well, actually, it was called Neighborhoods at the time. He was showing this thing called Neighborhoods. And, I was like, and he mentioned how short it was, how easy it was to learn. So I was like, well, yeah, why don't you come by and show it to me? So he and Matthew came by and played a three-person game with me. And I, I, I don't know. It, it, immediately, I saw how brilliant it, it was. Um, and I, you know, it, was, it was just apparent right away how, how clever this thing was that they put together. So I called all of my friends over like immediately, and we played, I think, a seven-player game. And they all walked away with the same really positive experience and kind of all my friends were like, you know, you, you pretty much have to publish this game. This isn't, this isn't even a debate anymore. Right. So I, we, I hadn't, uh, I, like I said, Ben and Matthew weren't like really pitching it to me. So I had to kind of pursue them for it. Um, they, I think you guys have some interest from other people too, but uh, unfortunately we came to an agreement and, and started working together on the game on, on developing it. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, Ben and Matthew, uh, why, why Stonemeyer over other, Assuming you had other offers or other interests, why go with Stonemeyer? So Stonemeyer was the first to express interest. Oh, okay. Um, Does he that, know that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were there were a couple of other people who who also expressed interest afterward. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, Jamie has has done a fantastic job, and we couldn't be happier with. Um, with the experience we've had with him. Mm-hmm. Can you guys talk about, uh, well, hmm. can you talk about the negotiation process of getting into a publishing agreement? Maybe not, you don't have to talk specifics, but just how does it work or, or from your perspective, from the designer's perspective, Matt. Maybe. Uh, uh, me? Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, I was, I was relatively new at, at um, getting into these sorts of contracts and mm-hmm. such. Um, ben had had a few more experiences than I had at this point. Um, and so he was very detail-oriented when looking through things um, and in our conversations with Jamie. Um, we, we wanted to make sure that Jamie was getting a really great deal because we wanted it to be a great experience for the publisher so that the publisher would want to do a reprint or would want to continue working with us and so on. But we also wanted to try to get the best possible deal that we could ourselves um, so that we would also be able to continue um, doing this. And um, so, I I mean, we worked on it for quite a while, um, a good bit of back and forth between um, Ben and myself and, and Jamie um, before coming to something. But I, I think that everybody's happy with that. Very good. Yeah, I would just, uh, I would just add that, uh, and to back up for just a second, it was, uh, we definitely showed the game to Jamie at Gen Con, but 
Matthew, if you remember, it wasn't even really our idea to be pitching the game at Gen Con. I was going to Essen Spiel last year, last October, and our idea was to kind of show it around at Essen and just get some feedback and then kind of go pitch it at Essen uh, to some of the uh, to some of the bigger companies. Um, and uh, but we ended up showing it to Jamie, and uh, you know we had always heard just nothing but positive things about him. Um, and we decided, uh, you know, when he when he expressed serious interest in the game, uh, to go ahead and, and work with him as opposed to, you know, uh, continuing to show it around or to bring it to Essen last year. And uh, and I'm so glad that we did. Uh, as far as the contract negotiations, I think that I was probably yeah the most experienced, probably even more so than than Jamie, uh, because mm-hmm. this is the first game that that Jamie's done with other designers, and I had already been through this co- contract process a few times. With other publishers, so I felt pretty pretty confident about what, um, you know, what we wanted, what we thought was kind of fair, and uh, and and what it should look, what a contract should look like, um, and uh, and it was it was definitely new experience because it's not just my opinion now; it's also Matthew's opinion at the same time. So, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think that the process went went really well of the negotiations with Jamie back and forth, and. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say we're all very happy with uh, with with where it ended up. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was. Uh, so so that was uh, that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting process to kind of go through that with with a co designer as well uh, right. for the first time. Well, you all seem like you're very easy to work with, so that's a good thing. I think if <laughs> when everybody it seems like they're 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 easygoing. That's uh, a good thing. That makes negotiations and uh, doing business together very easy. There's something that uh, a designer said, I forget, it's one of the European designers, I forget if it was Bruno Feduti or uh, one of them had a blog and he was talking about that and, you know, he was talking about uh, signing games with uh, with other companies and he said something to the effect of even even more important than what's in the contract is who the contract is with. I think his point there was that if you're working with good and honorable people, uh, that things will tend to work out in the end. Um, and if you're not, then, you know, you can be in trouble no matter kind of how, how good you think that contract is, right? Just how the relationship is going to go. Um, and so that, that made a lot, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, and I've tried to keep that in mind, uh, since then with uh, negotiations with other publishers as well as, you know, not only do I like this contract that they're putting in front of me, but do I like them? Do I get a good sense that they are good people that I want to be working with and in a business relationship with? And so as a designer, I try to keep that in mind because that does that does mean quite a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've been lucky as a game lawyer to have all of my clients <laughs> be very easy to work with and, and honorable people. Maybe not the people on the other side all the time, but... Uh, for the most part, it's been it's been a great experience. I, I, maybe it's just the games industry that gets people that are uh, mostly mm-hmm. good people. Mm-hmm. So, Jamie, was there a reason why you were looking outside of your own in-house designing uh, for someone or a game to publish, or were you not looking for that, uh, and it just sort of happened? Uh, how did that How did that work out? Yeah, yeah, I, I was specifically looking for it, and really for key, two key reasons. One being limitations on my own time. It, it takes a lot of time for me to design and develop mm-hmm. and, and play test for a game. And 
Uh, I'm also trying to run a game company. So the two don't always uh, mesh all that well. Right. In the past year, I've spent I've spent at least a full-time job's worth of time designing and developing sides and trying to run a game company on top of that. And it would just, it's like it's impossible for me to then design another game too. And our, we need games to sustain the game company. Um, the second reason uh, is that I've discovered as a designer, my talents are not in creating games with streamlined rule sets that are like really easy to learn to play. Um, and, and are what I would call maybe a gateway game. Mm-hmm. And so I've been at the time, particularly last year, and it continues to today. I, I, I am in particular looking for designs that fit into that category. Um, cause I feel somewhat confident in my design skills in other areas, but definitely not in that area. And Ben and Matthew, actually Ben and Matthew have more of a broad array of uh, design skills than I do, but they happen to also have that skill. And so between two cities, just happen to be a great match for that, that area that I'm not good at, but they're very good at. Do you find that it's sort of a normal thing uh, for other people in the industry that when you go from just being a designer to running your own company, you sort of stop being a designer anymore? Yeah, I've seen that. Like one of the biggest names I've seen that with is the the guy who runs uh, Fantasy Flight Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he he's the, he designed um, Twilight Imperium, you know, a widely acclaimed, fairly complicated game. He designed it, and that was, I think, what really got him into the board game industry. But he doesn't really design games anymore. He, right. he's, I think I heard him talk about that recently. Like he likes to get involved with games and, and play the games that his company produces, but he doesn't have the time to, to fully design a game himself. So I, I think that's that's a, obviously an extreme case, big name, big company, but uh, I, I'm guessing that happens for a variety of people who start game companies based on their own designs. Right. So let's shift gears into actually designing the game, the, the process of designing the game. So it started off with Ben and Matt. How, and maybe you have some tips for other people who are doing a co-designing process. How did that work? What were your two roles, or did you just sort of uh, share the same roles? Matt, let's go with you first. Um, I think we had relatively different roles. What Ben and I have found... Um, working on a few different game ideas is that for us, it seems to work best for one of us to sort of take idea and get it, take an idea and get it to a pretty playable place mm-hmm. and then bring it to the other one um, and then hammer on it together. Um, when we both just sat down at a table together and brainstorm ideas and throw ideas at each other, it doesn't necessarily lead to something worthwhile. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know what specific strengths each of us brings. I think that at this point, we're both just um, doing a lot of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Ben, do you have any viewpoint on that? Um, yeah, I definitely echo what you said in, in the first part. It seems like we design games better together when we're not in the same room, which is <laughs> just really interesting. Um, but hey, that's that's the way that that's, that's the way that it works. It's, it's like our biggest breakthroughs come when we're talking over text message or when we're talking on the phone. You know, mm-hmm. not being in the same room. Um, uh, yeah, and in terms of uh, in terms of working together, you know, Matthew is is 
almost always, although he's brought me around a little bit, but Matthew does a great job of, of kind of bringing me back to, to theme. Uh, and I think that my brain tends to be more focused on kind of the mechanics and, you know, would this mechanic work Would this scoring mechanic work? And, and then Matthew uh, kind of chimes in, well, how does that really feel in, in the context of the game? Does that really make sense in terms of the theme of the game? So uh, Matthew does a great job of kind of bringing me back to that. Right. Um, I think that generally speaking, our design brains work pretty, pretty much the same way. So I think we have enough in common to make, um, you know, to make it the, the partnership work in terms of the way that we approach design and think about design. Um, but then we have just enough differences to uh, to kind of make sure to kind of round that picture out and make sure that the other person is kind of considering something that we might not have thought of or um, some potential pitfall in an idea. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely been a good partnership and I look forward to continuing to design with Matthew going forward. I guess the answer is kind of obvious, but do you think that's the key is to have people who sort of can pick up the slack where you have some weaknesses and, and you can do the same for where you have strengths? You know, I was talking to, um, talking to a couple other design teams, uh, that we know and, uh, that seems to be a good way to do it, you know, uh, to actually find someone who you're not uh, quite as who you do have some differences with mm-hmm. um, to kind of get that second point of view. Uh, so I think that Matthew and I most most mostly align. Um, so we have uh, probably just enough just enough differences uh, in, in our approaches to kind of make it work. Um, but it, it seems like from other design teams I've talked to like that's that is really, really key is to have someone that does not approach it the exact same way that you do. But I think another important point is having two people working on an idea. It's much easier when, when someone starts to flag a little bit or um, when someone is not quite as enthusiastic at that particular moment, Mm -hmm. um, the other one can sort of pick up the slack and can push you both forward because the game design process can be a really long process um, with all of the play testing, with all of the changes and so on. And so um, it's really great to be able to toss things back and forth to one another, um, which is much harder to have that continual drive over the possible several year development process of the game. Right. Um, now, at some point, Jamie got involved as the publisher. Jamie, did you have a role in the design, or how did the dynamic change once you got involved? Yeah, I would say I had a role in the development. Um, the design, I fully credit to Ben and Matthew. I mean, they, they are firmly the designers of the game. But I came in with the perspective of wanting to take a, a great game and make it the best game, I guess. Um, and so I... Yeah, so we, we uh, after we signed the contract, we spent months of uh, a, a lot of back and forth between Ben and Matthew and I, where I would I would play it, uh, suggest some ideas to them, and they would we would discuss it back and forth, and they would implement variations on that idea and play test it. Um, a lot of it, I would say, I mean, we could it was literally like months of discussions and, and, and ideas that we that we tested out. But I would say one of the the overall concepts that I I tried to help out with is that Ben and Matthew are very precise and very data driven, and I love that. Um, 
and I, but I think sometimes uh, the data can get in the way of how players feel when they're playing the game. Um, and so they, like, you can tell them, oh, no, this, this tile is worth as much as this other tile. Is. Uh, look at the data. Like, you can see mm-hmm. it, that they're worth the same. But if a player doesn't feel that way, that, that can have a, a big impact on people's impression of the game. So a lot of the development that I feel that I, I tried to help out with, Ben and Matthew can attest to that, is trying to convey exactly how the players are feeling and how we can put that into the game without ruining all the balance they incorporated to the data, but still making it feel more balanced and fun to the players who are making those decisions. On uh, Jane, or, uh, excuse me, Matt and Ben, did you, do you have any thoughts about working with a publisher and trying to uh, design and develop the game with the publisher involved after your involvement? Um, I'll go ahead and, and start on that one. I was, uh, to be honest, I was a little, I was a little worried about it because, well, I had never really had that experience before. My first games, Mars Scenes Mechanics and, um, and Brewcrafters, um, the development was, was left much more, uh, much more up to me, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of my own play testers and, uh, the, the publishers had not been as involved, definitely involved, but not as involved as Jamie was. Uh, and so I was, a, I was a little, I was a little worried about that. I didn't know how that was going to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Jamie's right. We took what was a very good game at Gen Con last year and made it a better game, uh, you know, five or six months later. And, uh, Jamie is just incredibly thorough, um, and brought another great perspective, like he just mentioned, uh, to the play testing that he did. Um, so it ended up just being a terrific, terrific partnership uh, between the three of us uh, and that we would each kind of do our own play testing. Matthew and I would play test. Jamie would play test. We'd compare notes and feedback and um, figure out things that needed to change. So I'm extremely happy with where the game ended up. I think that Jamie's a terrific game developer, uh, you know, designer as well, but a terrific mm-hmm. game developer. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that it would necessarily have worked as well with, with, with everybody. Um, but, uh, I was, uh, very happy at how the, uh, that process went working with Jamie, developing the game with him. Um, and, uh, you know, I look forward to, to hopefully being able to do that more with future games. Well, I think Ben and Matthew have, have spoiled me a little bit for future <laughs> development and design because they, they really were so receptive to feedback. Um, and it helps also that between two seasons is a pretty quick game to play test. So we could, I could mention an idea to them, and a couple hours later, sometimes they could have already play tested it five or six times. Right. So that I think it's kind of I, I, I really appreciate that about about Ben and Matthew, and I, I kind of have, as I've started to look at publishing other games, that's something like people's receptiveness to feedback is something that I definitely keep an eye out for as I talk to them about their, about their game. Yep. Well, it just goes into you know choosing the right people to work with. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention that um, we have some fantastic playtesters, but Jamie also has this huge group of playtesters um, that we were able to take advantage of. And the, the ambassadors and, and all the, the Stonemeyer crowd playtested, you know, really put the game through its paces. Um, and that was fantastically helpful in, in the development of the game. Very cool. Now, yeah, Matthew, you got to meet some of those playtesters at Gen Con, right? That's right. That's right. 
Matt, can you you talk a little bit about the overall changes that the game went through? Like if you if you go back and imagine the original prototype you guys came up with versus what's being published, are the changes huge? Did it or are they all very small? The changes are not huge. So so the the one that uh, Jamie saw at Gen Con last year um, yes. compared to now one of one of the bigger changes. Uh, is the addition of the duplex tiles. So um, it was originally, your city was a three by four rectangle at the end, uh, and now it's four by four. Um, and, I, and I think that, that idea was entirely Jamie's, the, the um, addition of that so that you have a final square at the end. Um, and we went through a long, long time uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what to put on those duplex tiles. Um, and I think what ended up on it was also Jamie's idea. <laughs> um, so it, that was one of the biggest changes. And then we did um, a number of scoring changes for some of the different tile types. I know parks are different. Uh, factories are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of them got minor tweaks. But I think the rest are pretty much the same. They were the same structure. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, uh, I mean, if you look at the overall design we brought to Gen Con last year and the game that's going to be published, it's actually pretty remarkably, remarkably similar. As Matthew said, some mm-hmm. tweaking in the designs and then the addition of, of the duplex round. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think I think that uh, that it, it, it was it was really <laughs> Matthew and I joke about this all the time how. We spent we we spent like you know really like six weeks designing the game and then um, and then seven months trying to figure out how to fit four more tiles into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I also uh, echo Matthew and give credit to Jamie. And I remember it was I think it was an email from Jamie when he said, uh, "Well, how about for these extra duplex tiles?" He's like, "Why don't we just put." Why don't we just put the same buildings on them that we have on the on the regular tiles? We'll just put more of the same buildings. My initial response is that's never gonna work. <laughs> All right, fine, I'll play test it. And then I play test it and I was like, that totally works. That's that's the answer. <laughs> right. And since we play tested that the first time, Matthew and I said, Yep, that's 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 the answer. Uh, and once we had that, I think the the rest of it fell into place relatively quickly. It it was really is really those months of trying to figure out how to add four more tiles to make a three by four grid into a four by four grid. Jamie, did that come from not having to, or excuse me, not wanting to pay for more artwork or. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, really we went through so many ideas and Ben and Matthew had so many interesting ideas to put on those duplex tiles. Right. Um, but I think, it, like Ben said, it kind of came down to the simplest answer in the end. The simplest yeah. answer ended up giving the players the most interesting decisions to make without adding complexity. And that's really what the heart of Between Two Cities is all about. Interesting decisions without a lot of complexity. Right, I agree. Um, and working with two people to make those decisions. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the artwork. I mean, what we ended up doing with the artwork is every tile has unique artworks. Uh, so... It has as much artwork as it could possibly have. <laughs> okay. I was just kidding, by the way. Yeah. 
So on a practical level, how did it work with two of you near Washington, D.C., and one of you over in Missouri? How did you uh, – just were you using Skype or were you emailing to each other? I mean, what, how does this work? When How do you do a remote partnership like that? Um, it was, I mean, it was mostly, it was mostly email, I think. Um, you know, we got on Skype a couple times, but, uh, I think it was mostly Jamie doing playtesting with his group and Matthew and I doing playtesting with our group and then mostly over email, kind of comparing notes after that. That's my recollection of it. Okay. Just always curious because, yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, we're in sort of a, uh, global world now where, where people are working remotely with each other, but. Right. Um, do, do you keep, do you use Trello or any sort of things like that to keep your project managed? Uh, any, any kind of software that you would recommend or just email? I use, uh, I use Basecamp with okay. uh, my graphic designer and creative director, but, uh, and we probably could have done something like that with Ben and Matthew. I like those systems, but, uh, email was good enough. And email was actually really helpful, more helpful than I would say than if we had done a lot of phone calls or Skype chats because, we oftentimes would go back and look at older ideas that we expressed in an email and applied them to future decisions. So having that paper trail was really helpful for me at least. Right. We also use Google Docs um, just so oh, that right. uh, yeah. the documents shared so everybody can take a look at them. Everybody can make edits to them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Very cool. So, you guys launched a Kickstarter campaign for this, as as is the norm for Stonemaier Games. Uh, what role did Ben and Matt have up to, leading up to, and during the Kickstarter campaign, or did they have a role at all in the in the Kickstarter? Jamie sent us well, door to door looking for. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, something I learned from my past campaign because I do have a business partner, Alan, um, mm-hmm. and I learned that from the first campaign that it's really important for me to give Alan kind of my expectations for his involvement in the campaign before we even begin. Because for the most part, I just run, I run the whole thing. I, I handle all the comments, the updates, all that stuff. Um, but I, I sent an email that Ben and Matthew might, might recall. I sent an email to them and Alan before the project began. And I was like, okay, so guys, um, my expectations are that, that uh, you be active in the comments or at least aware of the comments on the first and last day of the campaign. At some time during the campaign, I'd like you to write uh, part of an update to backers to kind of thank them and tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, and beyond that, I think I said, like, every once in a while, if you want to chime in and just be, like, aware of the project and answer a question you can, but that's my responsibility. Like, I'm I'm in charge of running the project, and, and you shouldn't feel that that's your uh, responsibility to, to to do my job. Am I forgetting anything else that I told you guys to do during the project? Well, you were also pretty clear about um, us not doing too much marketing. Um, mm. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, not trying to be the advertisers uh, for for it ourselves. We were very enthusiastic about it to all the people we were talking about because we were so excited about it. Mm-hmm. But um, he, uh, Jamie, was clear that he didn't want us to be spamming our audience. Um, so we, you know, we would talk about it with people on, on Twitter or on Facebook or just in conversations, but, um, we were not posting things constantly. Right. Right. And that was, 
that's kind of part of my marketing philosophy where I, I, uh, I don't want people to tune out because all you're doing is pressing upon them your project or your thing. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen project creators do that where the, like every day on their Facebook feed or Twitter feed, they're saying, Hey, go back right. my project, go back my project. Uh, right. It becomes annoying and people tune it out. So um, I think Matthew and Ben, they, I probably didn't need to say that to them, but I, I think they get that, but I wanted to, Let's say it just in case. Right. It was nice that you said it. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you have friends that do uh, multi-level marketing or one of those things and mm-hmm. constantly, that's all they post about on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're probably going to pick this up in the next episode. We've gone about 40 minutes. So you'll have to wait. You, the listeners, will have to wait until then to find out how the Kickstarter did and uh, what, what went through there. So in the meantime, where can our listeners find all of you? Jamie, let's start with you. They can find my Kickstarter blog at kickstarterlessons.com. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter and Facebook at uh, both Jamie Stegmeyer and Stonemeyer Games. And Matt? Uh, best place to reach me is on Twitter at Black Oak Games. Um, I've also got a Facebook page at um, Black Oak Games and website Black Oak Games, um, but Twitter is the best way to reach me regularly. Okay. And Ben, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Rossett. My last name is R-O-S-S-E-T, at Ben Rossett. Um, I also work for, as I said, Panda Game Manufacturing. Uh, so if you happen to be at a con like BGG Con coming up, I'll be there. Stop by and... Um, uh, say hello to the Panda people. Uh, or if you're uh, in Washington, D.C. area, uh, as I mentioned again, I'll uh, put one more plug in for a WashingCon, uh, which is the game convention that I'm starting. So um, hopefully next year that's going to be even bigger and better. Uh, so you can find me uh, in Washing- uh, at WashingCon in, uh, in future years for, uh, for WashingCon game convention. Right. It's sold out for this year, right? It is sold out for okay. this year, yeah. All right. Thanks. And you can find me at GameLawyerBlog.com. And I've made a contract creation site for game developers at IndieGenerator.com. So if you use the coupon code IndieGen50OFF, you can get 50% off of any contracts you generate for the rest of 2015. And lastly, make sure you review us on iTunes. Those reviews really help. I will see you next week with the second part of this conversation with Jamie, Matthew, and Ben. Ben.